It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, everybody. Welcome into Extra Time presented by Betway 19 Plus. Please bet responsibly. Ontario only, too. There you go. I'm, I'm in a bit of a... F- a fiddle here, a bit of life news. I just moved house, as we've talked about numerous times on this podcast before, but the move has now happened. I'm in my new place, but I am waiting to set up my new office. So currently I am sat on my couch. I got my little table, my little coffee table sat in front of me. I got a new camera, courtesy of Tyler from Oilers Nation or the Nation Network, whatever we're going to call it. Doesn't work yet. I got to figure out how to use it. New light. Lighting's good. Big upgrades, big upgrades. But yes, I'm on my couch. So at some points, this will never go out as a full YouTube video. But maybe you can hear it right now. I am currently just laying on the couch as I do this podcast. It's quite comfortable. Maybe I'll put out a clip of me just, just laying on the couch in my blanket. Chilling. Ready to talk about some foosball. But yes, it's been a, it's been a week. I'm trying to get back in a rhythm of doing all this i feel like since i got back from europe i haven't really been able to stay consistent with my uploads which is which is my apologies i've been trying to catch up it's crazy what happens when you leave for three weeks and then you also decide to move house within three more weeks of you returning from that trip and then just life in general other things start happening the nfl has begun massive football fan i'm a detroit lions fan i'm a fan of both footballs American football, real football, and of course, the the news that broke the world. Broke the world. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are now dating. That is big. That is big for all of us, I think. One thing on that before we, before we dive any further into anything else and actually talk about what you're all here for, I think it's very funny how there's been comments from, from other athletes in, in the NFL who, how do I word this? It's essentially like the NFL players are just nobodies. Like Bill Belichick made his comments, which were very funny, like his biggest catch. And then there was one from Mac Jones today. I believe the Chiefs and, oh no, it's the Chiefs and I don't know who they play this week. Anyway, uh, there was one from Mac Jones, who's the quarterback of the New England Patriots. And they asked him and he said, no comment. And then he said, like, good for him though. Or something like that. And it's just like, 
these players are very relevant in North America specifically, especially a player like Travis Kelsey. And then the, he added his podcast out today to New Heights with his brother, Jason Kelsey, who, if you don't know, also plays in the NFL for the Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas and Philadelphia played each other in the Super Bowl last year. So that was kind of cool for them. Anyway, the, uh, all these Swifties, I believe we're calling them, sent in a bunch of questions and it was funny. But yeah, good for Travis Kelsey anyway. In the football world, <clears throat> for the relationship status of things, don't think we've seen a lot. Nothing I, uh, nothing I can think of off the top of my head. There is a documentary coming out actually of David Beckham on Netflix. I love David Beckham. I think David Beckham is my favorite football player ever, outside of any Bolton players. My favorite Bolton players are Kevin Davis, Kevin Nolan. Stuart Holden was was a was a great player when he when he was healthy. But anyway, David Beckham actually in the process of reading his book, and now I'm thinking to myself, do I even bother finishing the book now that this documentary is coming out? The book is very old too. It's from I believe the book is from 2004 because it doesn't talk about the MLS. I think it just talks about his move to. So Real Madrid is like the last chapter and he hasn't released another one as far as I know. So maybe this documentary will just expand from there. If I finish the book quickly enough, I'll, uh, I'll get a good idea of that. But yeah, David Beckham is, uh, I feel like he was just one of those players that really changed the outlook of the game. You know, without David Beckham is, is Messi in the MLS right now? Probably not. Do all these players have the brand deals that they have? Probably not. Is Saudi Arabia have a have a league like they do if David Beckham doesn't go to the MLS all those years ago? Probably not the way it is right now. So I think David Beckham is he's a legend. I think he is appreciated as one of those legendary players of the game, but I think he is a little bit undervalued in, in many aspects too. And I think sometimes we need to remember that some players, you know, they, they might fall out of the picture, but like, don't forget what they did. And I think David Beckham might be, might be one of them. Like one of those moments too, where th this is a moment where everyone will remember, but is free kick against Greece to send England to the 2002 world cup in England, where the fact they even needed a result in the last match to go through and were so, so bad against Greece, that game as well. And managed to only, I'm pretty sure they drew that game too, too. And Beckham had that just a it's just a legendary moment and then go on to Captain England and he's he's had some bad ones too, obviously. His red card at the World Cup as well. It wasn't ideal and just part of that generation that was never able to find the success they probably should have had. Maybe that's a bit of a, an arrogant Englishman in me, but England have some great teams and they have so many great players. And Beckham was just part of that era that couldn't 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 get the job done, unfortunately, but maybe this documentary will give us a, a good idea of, of what went down. I feel like that group of England players from, let's say, honestly, probably 2002 World Cup onwards to about 2000, and the era probably ended whenever Terry and Lampard and Gerard and those players really fell out of it. Rooney was part of that era too, I would say, but... Obviously, just ex expanded his career a little bit more because he was, quite frankly, just significantly younger than them all. But anyway, a lot has come out about that England team and why they weren't able to get it done. You know, the stuff like 
United players and Liverpool players wouldn't sit together at, at dinners and it just wasn't the the team aspect is a, is a simple way to put it isn't it where now you look at the England squad and I feel like no one really gives a shit who they play for it's just about trying to win games for England and the results haven't been amazing as of late the Scotland match was a good one but to, to draw against Ukraine wasn't ideal but Again, we spoke about it when England played in that match. As England fans, we just expect to win every game, and I think we should because we're a country that lives and breathes football and we're passionate about it all and get made fun of quite a lot. But I'm sure other countries do too. This mic arm, I also I didn't want to talk about any of that stuff, so it's kind of funny how we got here seven minutes into the show. I'm holding a mic arm right now because my coffee table is just thick enough to get the stand the holder onto it no one can see this i'm holding up to the camera but you can hear it it is it's about if you pick up your hand and you kind of make a c with it it's about that thick maybe a little bit small it's thick enough to get on there but it's not there's not enough room for me to tighten it so right now i'm just holding the mic on because i have a I believe it's called a blue snowball mic. If you hold it from the back, the speaker's actually at the back, so it muffles it. One time I did a podcast, a full podcast. I think it was one of the first ones of these. Unreleased episode. We'll never find it because I uh, deleted it, but it was literally just me muffling for an hour. That was an hour-long episode. Now I only do like 30, 40 minutes, so yeah, that was it. But the thing I do want to talk about today will be coming up right after this break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, we're back. From whatever that ad break was, whatever it could be. Also, had a bit of a mic mishap. This is what happens when you don't have your mic on a on a stand, people. But yeah, I do have my mic on a stand, like I said. But my mic should be on a stable stand, not on the stand in my hand. No rhyme intended. But it was splendid. There you go. 
Got a bit of rhythm in me tonight, I think. But anyway, yeah, let's get into uh, what we actually want to talk about on the show today, which is the Premier League. And I've put the teams into some categories of basically what I think they're competing for this season. We're six games in. Obviously, the identity of these teams is going to change throughout. And I've tried to put that into this as well of... You know, if someone's if someone's just had a bad start to the season, I think in some cases it's very obvious. Like Manchester United have had a bad start to the season. But Manchester United aren't a mid table team. We all know Manchester United is gonna be able to figure it out at some point and climb back up to the top in some regards and put together a season and it's all we're just it's a circle of life. The Manchester United circle of life glazes out. Am I right? I that's <laughs> uh, one saying I'm getting pretty tired of hearing if I have to be completely honest. But yes, I have put these into five groups. And I actually forgot to add Manchester United to my group listen, so I'm just typing them in now. Um so the five groups, relegation battle, no man's land, which is essentially mid-table teams and just teams who are just there just to get results and maybe maybe they're just trying to look to improve on themselves from from the season before who knows but it's uh irrelevant teams i guess you could say teams if they play each other on a saturday you're probably not going to watch them europa league conference league either one of those that's the next group champions league contenders title contenders so there you go five groups we're obviously going to start at the bottom and work our way up because a bit of suspense is what we need. Relegation battle. There's five teams. Wolves, Luton Town, Burnley, Sheffield United, and Everton. Now, at the start of the season, I had four of these teams competing to not be relegated. Burnley was the one team I have been pretty wrong about so far. I think they can turn it around. And actually, if I had to power rank these teams... I think Burnley would be a team that's outside of the relegation zone, in my opinion. I think they can get a lot better this season. I think they've got some talent. It's been a difficult start to the season for them, but saying that they don't have a win yet, so they're going to have to really turn things around if they want to, you know, climb their way up the table. But this week they played Newcastle away, so it really doesn't get much harder than that, does it? They've also only played five games, right? Because they... um Luton Town Stadium wasn't ready. But if you look at the start of the season for Burnley City to start the season, I don't care if you're at home. That is just an impossible fixture to win for any newly promoted team. Villa at home, which wasn't even that, which was their second game of the season. But remember, again, they were supposed to play Luton, which could have been a win for them. Lost to Tottenham, got a draw against Forest, and then lost to Manchester United. It's been a difficult start to the season. Next up, obviously, like I said, Newcastle. Then they have that fixture against Luton, Chelsea. Could probably get a result there, to be honest. Brentford, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace. That's a good run for them. Get a bit of momentum going and maybe Burnley can start climbing up. But for now, I was admittedly a bit too ambitious on my thoughts on Burnley to start the season. They needed to prove themselves a little bit more before I said they um, could compete for a European spot. I just had a bit more trust in Vincent Company, but 
sometimes, you know, get a little bit ahead of yourself. The, the championship to the Premier League is a massive jump. The championship is a fantastic league. There's, there's something in there now too where there's more former Premier League teams in the championship than there is non-former Premier League teams, which is kind of crazy. It's a difficult league, but it's a massive jump for players and managers and just teams in general, right? So Burnley, probably on the up. But need to uh, need to get some results. Everton is an interesting case. Obviously, had a good result against Brentford. I like their team. I really do. I like so many of their players. I think Pickford on his day is legit. Tarkovsky's a pretty good centre back. Um, the fullbacks are good. I'm, I'm the Ukrainian fullback they have. His name's escaping me at the moment. Dominic Calvert Lewin is good. He's just never healthy. So it's really hard to root for him. James Garner, I like him a lot too. So we'll see with Everton. I actually, f- I think they'll get relegated. I really do. I I had a bit more hope for them to come into the season, thinking that they've gone through it twice now where they fought on the last day of the season are pretty much close to and you think that experience in that moment of being in there being like, we can't get back here again. But here they are, six games into the season with one win. And it just happened over the weekend. Obviously, they can build some momentum from that. Next up, they have they have Luton, so we'll probably get a result there. Bournemouth, and then you have the Merseyside Derby as the next three. The Merseyside Derby is always a toss-up. I don't care if Everton is in League 2 and, and Liverpool have won 10 Premier Leagues in a row. It's a Merseyside Derby. You get up for those games. Everton could easily win three games in a row here and kind of get the season back on track. And, and maybe they can go into that no man's league group, no man, no man's land group, and just be kind of a team that's just, just irrelevant and just there. Uh, Sheffield United this weekend is a, an absolute statement for them. If, if you can't show any desire after losing 8 0 at home in the following fixture, then what is the point? If you remember rightly, uh, Bournemouth took action immediately after they lost 9-0 to Liverpool uh, early in last season, sacking Scott Parker immediately. Obviously, Sheffield United haven't gone to those extremes at the moment, but an 8-0 loss is, is not ideal. I think I think 8-0 is actually very harsh for, for what Sheffield United are. I think... I think they're a weaker squad in this league. Obviously, they didn't make too many big-name signings this summer, but there, there were some decent moves in there. The weekend before, they just had a heartbreaking loss against Tottenham, who scored two goals in, what was it, the 96th, 98th minute, something like that. It would have been a fantastic result, the first win of the season. But instead, they, they fall. They couldn't hold on, and um, the striker got sent off. What's his name? Ollie McBurns or whatever his, his name is. Ollie's, oh, come on. Where is it? Shh. Oliver McBurney. I knew it was something like that. <laughs> uh, who else have we got? Oh, Wolves was the other one. I just think Wolves are going to struggle to score goals. They actually, to their credit, they had a, a good result against Luton after going down to 10 men. I don't know. I re- I'm really rooting for, for Wolves this season for one reason. And it's Gary O'Neill. I think Gary O'Neill is such an interesting case for a manager, a man who comes into Bournemouth last season, 
just gets the, the team rallying. They have that big result against Tottenham, if you remember, towards the end of the season, which essentially kept them in the Premier League. And then they sacked him. And I don't disagree with the sacking in the sense of sometimes you just need to face the harsh realities of how far is Gary O'Neill going to get you? And then obviously Bournemouth bring in their new manager. And ironically enough, Wolves are one point ahead of them in the table right now. I just like the idea of Gary O'Neill getting an opportunity and for him to have some success. Now to have back-to-back seasons of keeping a club in the Premier League is is a great success. And then hopefully you can get the backing from the board at Wolves and they can get some more players and then they can start climbing up the table and continue their run of being in the Premier League. So I think Gary O'Neill deserves deserves this, to be honest. I think he's, a, he's different now, isn't he? In the sense of there's not a lot of managers like him anymore in the sense of managers getting uh, former players getting an opportunity like this in the premier league like obviously in the lower leagues it happens quite a bit like Bolton right now are managed by ian ever who was who was with barrow before but in the premier league with with blackpool when they were in the premier league and and all that kind of stuff so i like gary o'neill i think he deserves that opportunity if i had to make a prediction today who i think will go down I think it'll be Luton, Sheffield United, and Everton in that order. And then Wolves and Burnley hang on and then see what happens from there after that. But yeah, I, I don't know. Everton, I really thought they were going to be able to find something else in their game. But they, they've been dreadful and they rightfully deserve to be in the situation they're in. Again, it's only six games, five games for Burnley and Luton. But yeah, it's good to get a little bit of an idea. Uh, no Man's Land. Again, this is just teams who I think are... Uh, just kind of going to be irrelevant in the sense of, you know, there's games on a, a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning maybe would be a better example. It's in Canada. Most of our games here start at 7, 9, and 12. Or if you're in the UK, it's uh, it's whenever they get going. It's, oh, well, Brentford and Crystal Palace are playing at, at, at noon. Maybe I'll get my shopping done. That's kind of what this group is. That's a good way to define them, I think. So, obviously, Brentford and Crystal Palace are in this group. Fulham's another one. Nottingham Forest is a, is another. And the final one is Bournemouth. I do think Bournemouth will get a little bit better. They've been a bit unlucky. Had a difficult start to the season. Close to getting a result against Brentford the other day. And just conceded late. Had the lead at Anfield. And I believe they also had the lead in the Tottenham match as well. They, again, Words are slipping my mind, people. This is not good. And you look at the look at the fixtures to start of the year. West Ham at home, one-one. Decent result, to be honest. Liverpool lose three-one. Tottenham lose two uh yeah, lose two-nil. Oh, sorry, they had the early result against Brighton. Early goal against Brighton. Draw two-two against Bournemouth, draw nil-nil against Chelsea. Lose three-one to Brighton. Next you have Arsenal, but then you have Everton, Wolves, and Burnley. I think Bournemouth are going to be better than those three teams and Bournemouth will finish somewhere between like 15th and 10th. That's where I see Bournemouth going. Uh, who else is on my list here? Nottingham Forest again. Just kind of one of those teams. I think they'll, they'll scrape away from the relegation battle. They're, they're better than that. Obviously losing Brennan Johnson isn't ideal, but they've still got some attacking force in that team. And I, I like Steve Cooper as a manager. So Forest will be fine. Brentford, a lot of speculation about Ivan Tony this week, actually. Apparently, he struck a secret deal with the FA. Don't know what that means. 
apparently nobody else does either. But also a lot of speculation on his future and where he'll be once he comes out of his uh, suspension worth eight months. I believe it's actually early January that, uh, sorry, is it January, February? I think it's February when uh, he can come back. That also seems wrong. I don't know when it is. It's in the next few weeks, a few months. But there was a rumor today, actually, of him going to Arsenal is a swap deal for Eddie and Ketier. I don't mind that for both teams. Forest get, uh, sorry, Brentford get a, a good striker back, an international striker. Obviously, he didn't play for England in that in that uh, friendly match against Scotland, but the experience is there. Wouldn't be a bad deal. Uh, Fulham's the other team, just kind of middle of the pack. There's not a lot to them, is there? They're not very fun to watch, and losing Mitrovic is uh, not ideal. Pereira is a good player, and I like Paulinia too. Glad he signed a new ticket as well to stay in uh, in Fulham. Crystal Palace final team should be way more exciting. We have a team like with Elise and Eze like that. Those are two thrilling players to watch, but not that entertaining. We'll see. They they experimented, didn't they, with with Patrick Vieira, and obviously they've gone back to Roy Hodgson, who, who's still proven that he has a lot of game left in him, and is a is a very good manager, a legendary manager of the game, to be honest. Still. No Man's Land, Fulham, Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest. Moving on up to our Europa League contenders, Europa League Conference League contenders. I'm not saying these teams will all get in there, obviously, but just teams who are going to battle for it throughout the year. Aston Villa, West Ham, Brighton, and Chelsea. Chelsea, I don't think will get into this. I do think they're probably four out of the out of the four, but Look, the squad's good. The squad is good. They got a lot of good players. Pochettino is a great manager. Eventually, they are going to sort this out. As much as funny as it is every week to watch Chelsea and just laugh at them, to be honest, like they have one win this season. They're going to get this on the road, and the win ironically comes against Lewin, who stink. But this week they have Fulham, then Burnley. Arsenal at home, Brentford, Spurs, City, and Newcastle to round out November there. Look, if you get a couple of results there against Fulham and and Burnley, who knows? Confidence gets back into the team. It just takes one, maybe two. They had the one, didn't they? It didn't really work out too well for them. I don't know. I I say here every week, I find, and I, I just say, like, Chelsea's going to turn it around. Chelsea's going to turn it around because you just expect it. It's just a a club that you expect to be winning football games every week. And the talent they have out there is unbelievable, but they just, it's just weird. Like Jackson can't score anymore. Sterling's on and off. Um, What's his name? Mudrick can't do anything. Reese James is always injured. Sanchez is not, the greatest goalie in the world. And I don't know. Eventually you just got to believe that they're going to get something done this week. They'll maybe have to start getting on there, but I don't think they'll get European football again. I think they'll turn the season around slightly though and compete on a more consistent basis. Cause there was also a start today too, that um, Leicester have scored more goals in the Premier League than Chelsea have, unless they haven't played in the Premier League since May. So there you go. 
There you go. West Ham is the next team we'll talk about. And honestly, West Ham, Aston Villa, and Brighton are just all in the same boat for me in the sense of they're just playing these midweek games and sometimes it can catch up to you a little bit if you don't have a deep squad. The squads are all very good. I just don't think they're at that level yet to compete for the Champions League and then also compete in the Europa League or the Europa Conference League. They just need another season under the belt of doing all this. And I think all three of those teams could rightfully win their competitions if they're in the Conference League or the Europa League. Brighton got a, a bit of an uphill battle now after losing to Athens with Marseille and what is it, Ajax in the group, I think it is. That is going to be tough, but Brighton are a good squad. The Zerbi's a fantastic manager. Speculation about him maybe being linked to Real Madrid, which is nuts. A Brighton from Brighton to Real Madrid. Who would have thought? But yeah, they're all in the same boat for me. But Brighton, they're very entertaining, aren't they? I, I love watching Brighton on a weekly basis. But we'll see. We'll see if they can um find some form here and just keep scrolling on in the Premier League. They're currently set. Where are they? Aren't they in third? Yeah, they're in third. They've lost once in the Premier League. Did that one come against West Ham? That's right. Yeah, I remember watching that game. Sometimes you just forget, don't you? Just kind of play through. I know, I know where everyone is in the table, and I remember watching games. But you just forget. Brighton next, Aston Villa. Then they have Liverpool. Then they have City. Mixed in there is uh, matches between Marseille and Ajax. That might be a bit of an overwhelming schedule coming up for, for Brighton. But hey, this is what they want, right? You want your teams to, to be playing the best every week almost because it likely brings out the best in your players too. But Brighton, they're a team that gets results. We see it all the time. They're beating top teams. The only difference is now they're playing in Europe. And like I said, Ajax and Marseille mixed in there. We'll see what they get up to. Hopefully they can get some results. Brighton are very fun. What are we up to? Ah, yes. Champions League contenders for the remainder of the season. Now, obviously, title contenders, too, are in the Champions League. But these are the ones who I think are going to be competing for those top four spots rather than the the league. Liverpool, Tottenham, Newcastle, Manchester United, and Arsenal. If you haven't clued in, that's 19 teams I've listed off, so we'll get to the title contenders shortly. But yeah, those teams, Tottenham, we underestimated them. Ange Ball is fantastic. James Madison is amazing. Basuma is incredible. Just everything about that team right now is absolutely buzzing. I just think the culture that Ange Postacoglu has been able to bring to that club is transformed the identity of the team and, and just brought a different kind of belief to Spurs and what they're able to accomplish. I actually think they'll be able to compete for the title for most of the season and then maybe just drop off a little bit. I think that result against Arsenal gave me a good idea of who they are. They're great. They're incredibly fun to watch. Similar to Brighton, one of my favorite teams to watch on a weekly basis in the Premier League. And I'm excited to see how this team continues to grow and if they can keep building on this culture and just this positivity. Sometimes football loses that positivity, but I like the human element that Ange has brought to the Premier League, to be honest. Uh, Also on the list, obviously, we had Manchester United, who, yes, have not got off to a great start to the season. A lot of headlines with Sancho 
uh, Anthony and uh, Greenwood, some for random reasons, some for not so good reasons. You obviously know which ones are which. United are going to turn this around. The Manchester United, they're going to figure it out. They have too much quality to be battling for mid-table, to be honest. Even when they had bad days under whoever it was, if it was Van Gaal or, or Mourinho or Solskjaer, they got into Europe every time. I think United will get into the Champions League this season more than likely, or at least get to fifth or something weird like that. They're a good team. They're just in a bad slump. Onana's going to make some saves this season. He will make a save. I promise. I promise. Newcastle's on the list. I, I Similar to Brighton, West Ham, and Aston Villa, I think they'll just struggle with the fixtures of having midweek. And of course, they're in a very difficult group in the Champions League with AC Milan, Dortmund, and PSG. But their squad is elite. It's elite. And I think Newcastle will be able to survive with a big dog still and just get some momentum here and just keep pushing along and try and get back to the Champions League again for a second season in a row. Liverpool next on the list. Look, Liverpool, uh, they're a great club. They're a great club. I just feel like they're one injury away from it all kind of falling apart from them again. That's the only thing that's really stopping me from thinking Liverpool could be a Premier League title contender, if I have to be honest. I just think if one player goes down, they're totally screwed. They don't have the depth that United, uh, Man City have, and quite frankly, Arsenal at the same time. Maybe Tottenham's in that boat a little bit too, similar to Liverpool, but I just it just feels like a different environment. Like Klopp at the moment it just seems so negative when everyone kind of sheds light on something he doesn't have an interest in. It just seems really weird, and he's just so against the media and all this kind of stuff. It's uh, It's weird. I don't get it. Klopp used to be this fun-loving guy. I was kind of an asshole, to be honest. And Arsenal is the other team. Like, I know we all thought that Arsenal was going to maybe compete for the league title. I do think Arsenal is the second best team in the league. But I just don't think they're as good as City. And I just think that's the only difference for me is Manchester City are just too good and too difficult to catch up with. And you look at the results for Arsenal. They've had a good start to the season, of course, but they've already dropped two games. They had a draw against Fulham and they had a draw against Tottenham. City don't really drop games. You know, it's uh, City, six wins, six games. Three goals allowed. They take care of business. A little bit of an easier schedule. Obviously, they'll play some more difficult teams, but job's getting done. And City are moving along. Meanwhile, Arsenal are currently signed fifth, already four points behind City for the Premier League title. It already just seems like a, a hill to climb, and I just don't know if Arsenal have that ability in them again. We'll see. We'll see. They, they have a good squad, and again, I do believe Arsenal is the second-best team in the Premier League this season. But I just think Manchester City is, uh, is far too good for anyone to compete with. But there you have it. That's kind of my reason for City as well. They're just too good. They're just too good. And they're going to win four in a row, which will be the first time any team has ever done that in the Premier League era. Alex Ferguson never did it. Wenger never did it. Kenny Dalglish never did it. He only won one. And that's kind of it. So there you go. That's uh, my power rankings in a way, I guess you could call them. My category rankings, let's call them that. 
But there you go. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Head over to Betway if you're looking to make some bets this weekend. Obviously, be 19 plus. Please bet responsibly. But until then, maybe next Wednesday we'll talk. We'll see how my life my life goes. But yes, have a great day, everybody. And we'll see you on the flippity flop.